In this next interview, unfortunately, there are a few knocks where the table got hit, but uh, I just ask you to just ignore the knocks and listen to the words because it's a, a fun and interesting interview. Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. And I'm sitting at the PDAC in Toronto, in Canada, the world's biggest mining conference. And next to me is sitting Miguel Santillana. Santillana. Miguel is yeah. an economist from Peru. He's a journalist. He's a professor of economics at three different universities in Peru. And he also works in a certain capacity with the mining industry. So, Miguel, um, thanks very much for coming on the show and talking to me. Well, thank you for the invitation. <laughs> now, Miguel came up to me after my presentation and, and said that was some very interesting stuff that you said there. And then we got talking, and we very quickly got talking about the, the let's say, the behavior, the comportment of uh, Canadian junior companies uh, yep. in Peru. And, Miguel, you were saying that often the locals aren't that crazy about the way some of the Canadians behave. Yeah, the, the reason is that um, since uh, we have these um, new lo- mining laws in Peru 1991, um, uh, mining investment in Peru has risen exponentially. But the problem is that the Peruvian countryside has been closed since October 68 till August 1990 because we have a nationalistic government. Okay. Okay. A protective nationalistic Latin America dictatorship, you know. <laughs> and then, although we had democratic governments, they follow up what the military junta left as policy, economic policy. So we were overprotected, um, financial repression, and we have a very high taxes for imports. Since 1990, we opened our market. Plus, we are welcome for investment. The only big mining investment in Peru since 1968 to 1990 was a Southern Peru Copper Corporation mine called Cuajone. This company was owned by Asarco of the U.S. And when this company got um, nationalized in Mexico, Grupo Mexico took over Southern Peru Copper Corporation. But that was the only big mine developed during the, those years. Since 1990, and we opened ourselves to the world economy, and we have these new mining laws. Uh, Peru is a very well known since you know colonial times for its mines. But the issue is that the countryside has been closed to foreign investment. We had a, a civil war. We have terrorism. So, you know, after 25 years, then suddenly somebody shows up with a piece of, of paper saying that they have a concession. And what does a concession mean? Does this guy own my property? Yeah. So you have lots of questions from the peasants thinking that, what is this gringo uh, yeah. up to? Yeah. Okay. So th- there were questions about what are the limits of a guy that comes forward with a concession 
and your Canadian perspective is perhaps not as doesn't have the sensibilities to the locals that he should absolutely. have. Absolutely, and and the, one of the main concerns from the point of view of the government is that when these junior companies show up, they generate lots of expectations. Okay. Okay. And, uh, so they're promoting themselves there as well as here. Well, th- 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 that's the issue. And nobody explains to the people that we're going to look around and if we find something, this will become a mine. Yeah. But as you know, um, the attrition rate of uh, ideas to projects, projects to reality, yeah. that means that you know people get um, overrated expectations. And because of that, and because of the bad information given by the government, because that's also a public policy responsibility to inform your citizens what's, go- what's going on with the industry and what are the limits of the guy that shows up with a concession document. Um, there's a lot of um, mishandling of information, and then you have all these NGOs, okay. and interested NGOs that, through lies or half-truths, generate panic in the peasants and that's why you have all these social revolts so it's a combination of uh, generating high expectations none or very low information from the governments to the citizens unvested interests from NGOs that are openly anti-capitalism anti-foreign investments and so and so Okay, do you think Attitude, you know, the Canadians starting to behave better, or locals uh, start to get used, yeah. to, used to things. Well, I'm, I'm going to show you. Actually, the Canadians have generated their own framework for responsible exploration. Ah, okay. And this is brand new. This has um, two years okay. old. And they actually they've done their homework, and they have learned from the mistakes. The problem is that we, as a country are left with the mistakes yeah. that they that they become social unrest. Okay, I see. So are you, I mean, I know you're not a financial man, but are you bullish yeah. about Peru, Peru mining in Peru at the moment? Well, are you um, bearish? Are they no, 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 no. Um, as you explained in your talk, there's a big opportunity for countries that export commodities because... The world does not end in Europe. The world does not end the USA. Yeah. So we have a big uh, market in Asia, and India is growing, China is growing, Brazil is growing, Peru is growing. So we have uh, good expectations for all of the prospects that we have in Peru. In the mining sector, we have $40 billion in prospects. Okay? And if you add... Uh, Energy, hydroelectric plants, gas, and whatever we're talking about, $55 billion of investment for the next five years. The issue is how to attract foreign capital, how to manage internal domestic politics, and how a government in Peru that came from the left wing should appear as a responsible, centered government. Well, it's Umala, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. And, you know... When it was clear that he was going to win the election, and then he won the election, a lot of newsletters said, that's it, Peru's finished, get yeah. out of Peru, we've yeah. got another socialist government in South no, America. No, 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 no. But actually he's been more fr- mining friendly than one would expect. Well, I'll tell you something. When I was young and rebel at the faculty, we generated the government proposals for a guy called Fujimori. Okay. 1990. And with my professor, 
No, no, no. Fujimori's in jail now. That's right, that's right. There was a rumor. Did he have... Was he no, no, he has cancer. Okay. Tongue cancer. I don't know what he was doing with his tongue, but he got <laughs> tongue cancer. Okay. Uh, Let's they, not go there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the idea is that since Fujimori, every guy that want to win the election came through their left wing. Okay. Because people won't change. Yeah. And if you come from an underdeveloped country like Peru, you understand that we need change. But what Peruvians do not understand is if the change is the Marxist-Leninism or market economics. Because what we had before was neither. Yeah. Right? So since 1990, Peru discovered that we can do um, well-behaved fiscal and monetary policy, things that you forgot in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Do you run a budget surplus? We run a budget surplus. Our, our debt is less than 20% of our GDP. Um, monetary policy is really tightened. Proving stock market has outperformed the Canadian exchanges last year. Absolutely. Although we lost money last year. Yeah, but it, you le lost less than everyone else. Yes, absolutely. And we are really bullish in the these uh, two months we've made 25% That's very good. in yeah. two months so let's put it this way I think that the, uh, the last year we grew 7% although we had all this political turmoil we grew 7% yeah. and the idea is that what I was saying is that since the 1990s Peru want, people in Peru want to change but what we have assessed with um, with Fujimori and, and the, the other guys that followed, is that we have generated through economic growth a brand new middle class, not only in Lima, but in other provincial cities. Yeah. And those guys have learned to be a consumer, to be a citizen and defend your rights and fight against, you know, the banks and whoever promises to provide a service. And then if you're not happy with the service, okay. Let's go to the, you know, um, your consumer's federation or things like that. So we are learning market economics. What we had before was the traditional Latin America populist state. Okay. And we didn't have social class. We have, like, so social settlements, you know, the rich. Yeah. yeah. So market economics has really opened not only the market but also the minds, especially of the new generation yeah. that think that they can... They don't need to go abroad. They don't need to be immigrants. Yeah. Around 10% of Peruvians are immigrants in Europe and Europe, Japan, and the U.S. So now they're coming back. That's interesting. They're coming Same back. Same thing happened with Ireland. The, um, mm. Now, so, so as an investor, I mean, if you put money into a junior resource stock, you're taking on a million and one different risks, yeah. chief among them being the fact that what this company is actually exploring for doesn't exist or what they hope yeah. exists doesn't exist. But then... On top of that, you're also, if you if you go into certain countries, you're taking on a whole host of political risks as well. Yes. Your assessment would be that, you know, uh, correct me if what I'm saying is wrong, but, you know, Peru is a country that is rich in natural resources, that has a history of metals and other commodities, and at the moment it's 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 a country that's open for investment. It's a safe it's place to It's an open for investment. And what, um, I mean, if I strike gold and I find a million-ounce deposit, is, yeah. am I going to find myself having to face all sorts of... No, 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 no. There are two... You will have to pay 30% income tax yeah. and 77% royalty on operating revenue. Okay. But you discount that as a cost. Yeah. So you have you pay less income tax. Yeah. 
So okay. The issue is that the problem that Mala has is that he leaned on the left-wing small parties mm -hmm. to win the election. And within five months, he kicked out all the leftists, okay. even my professors. <laughs> Some of them thought that they would be members of the board of the central bank. Is there a feeling of betrayal? There's a feeling of betrayal. And what I told my professors before the se this, uh, second round election was, come on, remember 21 years ago, we helped a guy called Fujimori. Yeah. And he kicked us out within two years of government. Well, Umala have kicked out all my professors within five months. <laughs> so is this is this because he's a control freak or is it? No, no. It, it, the, the reason he just wants to get rid of left wing influence. No, no the, the issue is that if we, one thing is to be to be a candidate, another issue is to be responsible for the life and well being of thirty million people. Mm -hmm. And he knows that although people would like a revolution, we can make changes through reforms. And it's more intelligent to do reforms yeah. that think that very idealistically in a revolution. So it doesn't make sense to make a revolution to the first century if you have, if you steer well, if you are the captain and you steer well the, the ship. Okay, we can do reforms, but we can have open economics. We can uh, be friendly with uh, foreign investments, and uh, if we make a buck, everybody's happy. So the, the, the issue is, but. Also, the state must be strong enough to make foreign investors respect contracts. Yeah. So it's not that we are not law-abiding, but, you know, the private investors must also comply what's in the, yeah, in the document. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's a two-way thing. Yeah. Well, Miguel, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Let me just uh, talk you through my trip to Peru that occurred in, ooh, 1995, 96, something like that, when I was yeah. a young man in my 20s. Um, I, I came overland. I did, I did the standard Peruvian tourist yeah, Machu Picchu. I did Machu Picchu. I came over from Bolivia. Did Cusco, Machu Picchu, and uh, I had I met an Argentinian girl. I had a, had a glorious love affair with an Argentinian girl for a while. Yeah. And then I went up to. You were fighting the Falklands in Machu Picchu. <laughs> And then we went up to, um, she's become a big soap star on Argentinian TV, mm. so anyway, I should, should have stayed with her, but anyway, the, um, I don't think I had that much choice in the matter, but anyway, <laughs> the, uh, and then we went up to, um, we've, we went up to Lima and then drove down and we did Pisco. Yeah, and Paracas. The, and yeah, and Paracas, and, wonderful, and we did that boat trip where you see yes. the sea line, it was just glorious. And then the most amazing thing I think I've ever seen in my whole life was flying above Nazca the Nazca Lines. Lines. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in fact, if you type in Nazca Lines into YouTube, I think I'm narrating the main documentary on there. Just oh, my fantastic! So there we go. Thank you very much for that. The Nazca Lines. So let's finish on a, on, a, on on were they made for aliens? What were they made for? Well, to tell you the truth, we really don't know. But I think that concerns me as a Peruvian is that many things that have been done by ancient cultures we have doubts that have been human-made. And I ask why? Why, could, why couldn't we build up the pyramids? Why couldn't we make uh, the Colossal of Rodas? Why can't we make, I don't know, the, the gardens of Babylon? Why not? Yeah. Well, absolutely right. But anyway, so it's a, it's a wonderful country, Peru, and I have yeah. many fond memories. Uh, and, and I think it's time for, for Peru to show the world what it's made of. Yeah. And I think that although we have political issues, I think we are on the right track in economics. Yeah, 
Absolutely, and 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 it's it's got everything. You've got mountains, you've got jungle, you've got coastal areas. Coastal, yeah, wonderful country. Miguel Santillana, do come again, and we'll talk again in a couple of months. But Miguel Santillana, in, in the meantime, is, do you have a website you'd like to mention? Or well, the website is um, Spanish Instituto del Peru. dot org. dot pe okay. of Peru, and that's the institution where I do my research. Okay, very good. Well, Miguel Santillana, thank you very much. Pleasure. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 